0: Hello there, I'm Miranda Gretton and this is Take a Moment with NCHC, the show where we talk to you and your colleagues about experiences that affect you. Listen on your drive between patients or in your downtime, whenever you get the chance to take a moment. In this episode, I talk to Alan Curtin and Stuart Michaels about emergency planning and safety within the Trust.
1: I am Alan Curtin and I am the Trust's emergency planning manager.
2: And I'm Stuart Michaels, I'm the Trust's health and safety officer.
0: Thanks for joining me both. So we're talking today about winter planning and safety at the trust, and this is in response to something called Project S. Now, this was started in response to the tragic events of Sarah Everard and Sabina Nessa and the implications of the personal safety of women, reflecting that the NHS workforce is predominantly female um, and many work alone in the community and are shift workers. Why is Project S particularly important in a community trust setting?
2: We we have a, a large workforce, quite a high percentage of them will be females. And that's not to say males are any less vulnerable. Being a bit of community trust, of course, we have a very wide footprint. We have staff going into many different locations, not just ward environments, but obviously going to people's homes, care homes, where they are coming across very many different situations. And unlike working in an acute or indeed a ward environment where you've got other people around you, there's more scope for situations to occur. I just want to emphasize at this point, though, if you're a community worker, that the likelihood of being assaulted or being attacked is actually relatively slim in comparison with suffering the indignation of getting lost or, or your car breaking down. Um, so that's why we need to cover all of that as, as part of this today. Like I said, we, we've got a very wide workforce and, and we've got some very rural communities where our staff aren't, aren't so much going to be attacked by a person. They could be attacked by a horse or a sheep. So we, we need to give some, some basic safety advice um, and how to keep, you know, how to keep self safe. Part of the nature of the services that we provide is that it's literally for
1: everyone in the community. Where Members of staff don't know exactly who they're going to be turning up to see. You know, they could be out in the sticks in the middle of nowhere, could be right in the middle of the... In the city in the more deprived areas so it's it's quite a big scope of, of kind of issues that they could face.
0: We did a survey recently um, about safety at work and the majority of people said they were most concerned about loan working um, in the community but also in our offices and inpatient units at our various healthcare settings. What sort of things are the trust doing or could the trust be doing to ensure that our sites are safe?
2: From a health and safety point of view, when it comes to loan working or indeed working on any of our sites, we we, we have an estates management programme where we have an estates team who will rectify known faults. We do rely on, on staff to be our eyes and ears, though. Whilst myself and the health and safety manager, Carl Ward, do carry out site inspections, it's a very, very large estate that we have, so we can't be there all of the time. In, in inspection is a bit like an MOT, it's good at the time it's done. So we rely on people to to report we do regular lighting surveys Uh, we do them annually to make sure that our lights are still working you know when lights fail when they malfunction we do require things like that to be reported to the estates team insofar as loan working we do have various systems in in place Uh, there are policies on this as well about making sure you have a buddy system if you're working on your own somebody should know where you are and should someone should know what your diary is we have had failures in the past where it's on paper only it's not actually being properly managed so we do require staff to take responsibility for making sure that they, they know where their colleagues are and stay in regular contact with them additionally we are rolling out a program using the trust smartphones up until very recently where we've identified a need for them, we provided loan working devices we're moving away from those now because frankly they're not being used, staff don't like them, they're a bit cumbersome, so we're, we're looking at where every smartphone that the Trust provides has a, an SOS function. There's other things we have in place, we have on some of our sites, we have CCTV, we have security patrols at some of our sites, but a lot of it's down to us, down to us taking care of ourselves questioning things and and reporting things you know just as you would at home treat treat the security of your premises keeping doors locked when you're on your own challenging strangers just because someone's walking around a building with a with a piece of paper in hand doesn't necessarily mean that they are entitled to be there so we can do more to help ourselves to keep ourselves and, and the trust safe
0: that's a good point. So if, if you as a, a staff member are going into an office that you maybe don't go into very often, make sure you have your badge prominent as well. As if you show yours, then the person who doesn't know you knows that you're a legitimate staff member and they can let you in without feeling like that, that pressure to ask you.
2: There are on occasions where I will visit a site and I'll be wearing civvies. Um, as long as I've got my ID card, I don't usually get challenged. But on other times I've walked into a on site wearing business wear but not had my id card and i don't get challenged it's because i look like i work there so we really want to get into a habit of ch- checking people's passes and you know if you're not sure just ask me without you know if, if the person looks like they, they they shouldn't be there and you don't feel comfortable in challenging that person then my, my advice would be to withdraw and and find a colleague so safety in numbers it would, would be the answer there it's what i was referred to as the basic rule of first aid you know you don't put yourself in in unnecessary danger you know you have to you have to look after yourself before you can look after others and um, i think the main
1: thing is just trying to plan ahead a little bit i mean it's not always going to be uh, possible depending on rules but if you're going to be in somewhere like a health center by yourself can you work as out so there's always going to be two people there um, it's just trying to to think ahead a little bit and kind of thinking about what situation you can you kind of might be in.
0: So you guys are doing periodic reviews for the sites. There's the safety and the security there that's being looked at. But out in the community, you don't have that. You're by yourself, potentially down dark country roads, remote areas. What can we, as a trust, do? Not necessarily the individual, but what are we, as a trust, doing to support individuals who are lone working out in the community?
2: Um, A lot of it's going to be through communication, managers communicating to this stuff, the importance of planning, colleagues knowing where you're going to be, you can use system one, um, the the diary system, just a good old fashioned buddy system. So you and I are buddying and I will speak to you on a regular basis during the the course of the day. If I don't hear from you, if I say I'm going to speak to you at 10 o'clock and you haven't heard from me at 10 o'clock, then you give me a ring. We do have a policy on loan working, and it details things such as the, the duress call. We, it's sometimes known as the Mrs Smith or the Mrs Brown call. So if your buddy says to you, can you tell Mrs Smith, I won't be able to see her today. It's a coded message to to get the, the police involved. Fundamentally, it's, it's about making sure you know where your colleagues are. So it's making sure as well our staff have the right communication equipment, mobile phones at work, means of charging them up in the cars.
0: You were saying about having like um, coded messages, like Mrs. Smith and everything, um, and those are great. I think as long as everybody knows what the code is, they obviously only work if you do. So that's another kind of point for managers, isn't it? That if you are going to implement something like that within your team, just make sure that everybody knows what those codes are.
2: And the and the code doesn't have to be the one that's written in, in any policy. It can be your own code. It it can be anything at all. Then can you just check my 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 in for the blue folder? It can be absolutely anything at all. Personally, I would shy away from using names, Mrs Smith or Mrs Brown, because some people may not realise that is a coded message. They might think, actually, I've got to find a Mrs Smith and cancel her appointment.
0: Yeah, it's about all sides knowing what that code is and using it appropriately.
1: Just a couple of things that have kind of sprung to mind, and it was partly after system one got mentioned, is using things like that for red flags and again it's not always necessarily something malicious which is often the way you kind of tend to start leaning towards when you're thinking about this stuff but just having notes on there about things like have they got a dog that's likely to start nipping at your ankles and if that's all kind of flagged on there gives people a bit of kind of pre-warning whether or not they should just go straight up someone's garden and risk getting bitten by a dog or whether or not they stand outside and they've got a ring stuff like that. And the other thing that it's useful to people be aware of is that we've got the out of hours on call system in place, five in the evening through till nine o'clock the next morning, and twenty four seven weekends and bank holidays, and that's just a bit of a, a kind of reassurance to people that there is kind of help there if they need it. Um, so, say if you're going into a situation that you're not sure about, you can can give them a ring, get some advice, some reassurance, let people know where they are. So, if you're you're out in the middle of nowhere at some strange hour and you're not sure about something, that is there to to help you. And the on-call managers have got all kinds of contact details for for kind of everyone. There's that reassurance there that our members of staff shouldn't think that they are left on their own, even when the the hubs are closed.
0: Obviously, we cover a vast geographical area in North and a lot of it is quite rural, therefore terrible signal. There was a tip that I heard about where you change your answer phone message to be your location or like a a contact for you. So that if people Mm. ring you and you've got no signal, it will go through to your answer phone and they'll know where you are. So if, you, if your car breaks down, for example, and you've got no signal, you could, you could try that option. So there's things that we can do as well, isn't there? Not just that the trust are providing for us and, and the things you're talking about are, are great. But there's things that we personally, all of the staff really, can do to help keep ourselves safe. And you mentioned previously about reporting damage, making sure that we are proactively telling you if lights are out. What else could staff do, you know, personally to protect themselves?
1: I mean, it's kind of going slightly off the point that you've just asked, but this is where our kind of risk management system is quite useful as well in terms of the data tech stuff. It's not always the most interesting or enthralling of things to start going on about data, but but um, by making sure that they do that, that is how kind of learning comes from it. And again, it might be something that you sort of, I'm not sure about that, or but it doesn't hurt
2: to flag it up.
0: If in doubt, log a datex.
2: Or always datex. Yeah. I've always used the idea that I would much rather my line, line manager say to me, it's "Okay, you don't need to datex that," yeah. as opposed to something going wrong and him saying to me, "Why on earth didn't you datex that?" Better to do it and find out there's nothing wrong than than vice versa. I, th- I think another message we, we need to get across, and it's very difficult, is is that frontline staff. One of the uh, attributes they have generally is they're very caring, and they will often ignore their own safety because the patient needs help the patient needs treatment and it's it's quite a difficult message to get across that you need to look after yourself before you look after others um so it's a message we're trying to get across but i i think it's one of those messages that will never really really get through to people because of the nature of of the frontline staff member um just a bit
1: of a kind of reminder to everyone to to keep the cars topped up i think everyone's guilty of going Oh, I'll fill up tomorrow, I'll fill up the next day, I've got a few more miles in that. But then all it takes is a kind of few wrong words to be said by the wrong people and you've suddenly got all the the kind of panic buying going on. So it's another simple little thing to do.
2: Don't let your tank run down more than half or whatever like that. Um, When you are doing your notes at three o'clock in the morning, because you've seen a a patient, you've come out, um, you don't want to sit in the patient's home because everybody wants to get to bed. Um, so you sit in your car it's not a good idea if you're if you're in a less than salubrious area it's not a very good idea to be filling in your your notes on your laptop in your car because obviously at night your 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 laptop screen will illuminate the whole car and you become a little bit of a bit of a beacon it's also a good idea to try and disguise yourself and again in less than salubrious areas being identifiable at night as a healthcare provider simply because undesirables will often see someone in a uniform and you could be a dentist you you could be a midwife but they will assume that you're carrying uh, valuable equipment and valuable drugs. It's about not making yourself a target it's all about keeping everything low-key.
0: I was just thinking as you were talking we we don't want to scare people with these conversations. I think it's important to to reiterate the message that having these conversations is to support staff to be safe so it's really about trusting your instincts planning ahead knowing the options within your team, knowing the contacts and just just keeping yourself as safe as you can. But, you know, just to reiterate that message that you gave at the beginning, Stuart.
2: The, the analogy I can draw, I would draw is, is if you were going hill walking on the Pennines, on the Lake District, and you went um, at this time of year and you were wearing just a pair of jeans and a t-shirt and you had no map, no decent shoes, no no um, cold weather gear, then you are more likely to come across, whereas if you plan for it, you have all the right equipment, all the wet, all the wet weather gear. Someone knows where you are. You have correct um, navigation equipment. Then you are actually in a far superior position, and you're very unlikely to come to any come to any harm. It's about doing your risk assessment in advance. Now, that's not always possible if it's the first if it's the first time you've met that patient. The patient's a new referral, um, so you you can still do a bit of background information. As Alan pointed out, things like pets. We have a big issue at the moment. With you know, you're not going to get attacked by the by the householder. You might as get bitten by a cat or something. I believe the statistic at the moment is we, and it probably doesn't sound a lot, but it is for the size of our trust. We we have on average one one member of staff bitten by a dog per month. Upon arrival at the home, upon arrival at the area, look around at your surroundings. At this time of year, especially, it's getting dark by four o'clock. And the if you arrive at two o'clock and you're going to be there for a couple of hours, when you come out, the surroundings will look very different. So try and park in a well-lit area. Reverse park where absolutely possible. I would, if possible, avoid parking on patient's property, especially if you could get blocked in. You know, if you feel unsure, unsafe, then leave. Make an excuse and leave. If it means leaving equipment behind, then so be it. Equipment can be replaced. It's far better to leave the site and then check in with your manager. When you leave the site, this is where reverse parking comes in. Uh, if you've reversed into a, into a position, it's a lot easier to drive out in a hurry if you're driving out forwards. If it's a real emergency, i.e. someone has threatened you with violence, um, then you need to call the police. Um, you can call the police using 999 or 112. Um, both numbers are good. 112, I am reliably informed, actually uses a, a system whereby the, the emergency services can get a um, a position on on your mobile phone more easily. Again, I'm not trying to frighten people. This is all about just giving people some some basic information.
0: That's it, isn't it. It's giving people options and information. And, and actually, that's what people have asked for in response to the survey. The biggest response was that people wanted practical advice. They also wanted where to go for more information. So what I mean, just as a final thought, what are we planning to do as a trust in response to, to Project S specifically? Is, is there anything else that we're offering to staff? From a health
2: and safety point of view, we we will continue to support staff in doing these kind of events, as well as giving advice one to one where necessary. You know, for more specific advice, I, I would I would refer people to to Norfolk and Suffolk Police for their officers to to, to give it advice.
1: Um, the only thing I was going to quickly mention, considering the time of year and everything, is all about the the winter planning side of things and just what people can do to kind of help things with a bit then. Just so some basic advice is things like following what you hear. If people are saying don't make unnecessary journeys, they're telling you that for a reason. And obviously, you know, the rule that some of our staff, they haven't got much of a choice, but simple things like if you've got a job where you can work from home rather than drive out in the snow, do that. Um, have almost a little kind of survival kit for yourself and not just feeding your car, but and um, potentially work as well. Um, especially people in our kind of inpatient units can't just look outside, see it's snowing and then disappear off home. And by the time there is home time, there could be snowed in in worse circumstances, bits and pieces of food. So you've got something to eat, something to drink, something to keep yourself warm, any medication that you might need. Because if you think I might get stuck somewhere for the best part of 24 hours or something like that. Do you need something like that so whether or not you keep that in your car or somewhere safe at work just to kind of plan ahead with things like that and the other thing is to um, register for the met office weather warnings and um, so if you just google literally met office weather warnings there's a sign up thing where you can get emails through for it and that'll ping something through there's one just come through a day that it's going to be uh, very windy this weekend so it just gives you a bit of uh, advanced warning of what might be happening old thing about being pre-warned is being prepared
2: so far we've talked really mostly about when traveling in your vehicles um but coming up to christmas is also worth pointing out that many people now there is we're not subject to any 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 lockdown there'll be taken people will be taking advantage of christmas parties going out and about on foot there's certainly some precautions to 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 be taken again it's it's just about making sure that you go out with friends who who are reliable you look out for each other be mindful of how much you're drinking be mindful of you know who you're with
0: thank you both so much i think that is all such great advice. And it's it's advice that's good for not just staff but friends and family as well. So people can pass those messages on.
1: Just kind of one last point and it kind of kind of looks a bit more the work I do and kind of the overall value of staff is that for all the business continuity plans and everything you can do with that, as soon as you start losing members of staff, that's everything breaks. <laughs> so you can you can plan as much as you want for if IT breaks or equipment breaks or getting replacements for this and that. As soon as you lose your members of staff, it all falls down. So it is so important that we do do take care for staff.
0: Thank you for listening to Take a Moment with NCHC. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please visit the podcast intranet page to leave a comment and for details of our other episodes. You can also follow NCHC on all social media channels.